podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh and James Jones and the West Ham United roller coaster takes another loop to loop, another up and down. And we're coming off the back of one of the fast, exciting bits, as me and James have been saying for the past month or so now, we think that is exactly what's going to happen for the rest of the season. There's going to be some ups, there's going to be some downs, there's going to be some peaks, there's going to be some troughs. And we are coming off the back of a peak, 4-0, thrashing at home against Nottingham Forest. Sorry, a 4-0 thrashing of Nottingham Forest by West Ham United. Two goals for new January signing, Danny Ings. Two in the space of three first half minutes. Mikel Antonio getting himself on the score sheet as well. And Declan Rice with a goal that people will have you believe is the greatest goal ever scored in modern day football when, in fact, it was just a nice little curler in to the far post. Jonesy, 4-0 against Nottingham Forest. I assume, given the, your newfound hatred of the tricky trees, I'm not even sure if people call them that. Uh, in fact, I think it annoys them, so I'm sure you'll be happy for me to use that phrase a little bit more. 4-0 over Steve Cooper's band of merry men, his 30 new signings. I'm sure you are absolutely delighted. I am still on cloud nine, mate. That was, I enjoyed every single minute of that. And um, funny that our, uh, it's, it's funny that our, the, the comment section on our YouTube channel is very quiet at the moment, um, as opposed to when we played them last and it was just full of them having a pop at me. So mm. um, enjoyed every single second of that. And um, not just because we beat Forrest, but because this particular second half was wonderful. It was great watching us play pretty well and seeing a striker score goals um it feels like it's a lot because we beat forest i'm gonna be honest what do you mean yeah i mean you said it's not just because i'm really really absolutely buzzing not just because we beat forest it feels like it's like 96 percent because oh beat yeah forest. i mean mostly because we beat <laughs> forest yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah put them back in their place a little bit but um generally though like the we needed a win obviously but winning like that um does no harm does it so Good for the confidence, good for the morale, good for momentum. Um, and the fact that Danny Ings was able to get off the mark and score those two goals, um, I think is a, is a huge, huge thing for us moving forward for the rest of the season, I think, because we desperately needed someone to just step up and start scoring goals. Um, and yeah. that's what he was bought for, wasn't he? So it's good. Right. I definitely agree, Jonesy. I think that was huge. And you were saying last week, you know, as was I, to be fair, Danny Ings needs to start. Um, ahead of Mikel Antonio and I think like you say with with those two goals it just you know I, I don't think his performance I mean tell me tell me if I'm, I'm wrong I don't think his performance was sort of you know supersonic beforehand but to be quite honest James he's not really that he's just a goal scorer isn't he he's a poacher he's a goal scorer he's a finisher and what people fail to understand I find is that Strikers and players like Danny Ings, they, they're they not like 
easy on the eye for 90 minutes, are they? Their value to a team is that they are in the right, they're clever, they're in the right place, the right time, and they're positioning when it matters in short bursts, in the handful of occasions in a football match that West Ham United will get the ball in the opponent's half, let alone actually get it to the player playing up front for us who's supposed to be good at putting in the goal. But that is the value of, of someone like Danny Ings, isn't it? Is that he, he's in the right places. And I don't think it always looks too glamorous. But when you've scored the numbers of goals that he has, or particularly at Southampton, he got the move to Liverpool. There's a real player in there, in my eyes. He's a goal scorer and a poacher. And he's, I, I, I don't know, but I think he's he may have already matched Mikel Antonio's Premier League Goal scoring total for the season. And <laughs> you know, i.e., the player who's been playing up front for us for the majority of our Premier League games up till February. So I think it's huge that he scored. And I think that we should be persisting with him up front. You're absolutely bang on. Um, he Danny Ings is a striker that uh, couldn't go 70 minutes without by barely touching the ball. Exactly. But if you put the ball in the box for him, he will finish it, regardless of whether he's been good, bad, like you no, know, he will make the runs it needs to make. Yeah. Um, he will be in the right positions in the box. Um, he's not a player, whereas Antonio is the type of player that because he's a very different type of front man where yeah. you know, he can try to hold the ball up at least. He's he's there to not just be in the box and, and be a bit of a poacher, but he's you know, he's there to hold the ball up, bring midfielders into play a little bit. Now, similar to Skamaka as well. In that you know he's, he has a very different purpose as a striker, whereas Danny Ings is in that team, is in any team he's played for, to purely be in the right place at the right time, um, and that's what we've been craving for so long. I mean, look at Haaland, and I'm by no means am I comparing Danny Ings to Erling Haaland. Feels um, like you are, but Erling Haaland is the epitome of that type of striker. If you watch him for Man City, he will mm. barely he will barely touch the ball, and he will he will barely do anything, but he's but he's scored 27 goals this season. And that's because, yeah, okay, he's got world-class players giving him the delivering. <laughs> but he doesn't do anything other than be in the box at the right place at the right time and score goals. Uh, making the Which correct is, a, is, behind is the a hugely impressive, invaluable and important yeah. skill. And obviously you've but got it, to be good at finishing as well. Yeah. But, well, no, yeah. But that's, all, that's part of it. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But again, I, I just think, um, I spoke to my dad after the game and I just don't think he was recognising that. As in, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, well, he was just on the verge of being taken off before he scored, wasn't he? And, that, you know, he was a bit, bit rubbish up till then. And I was like, well, rubbish is probably strong in it a bit. But the fact is, oh, he was, yeah, on, on the verge of being taken off until he scored those two, until he scored two goals in three <laughs> minutes. Yeah, but he scored two goals in three minutes. Exactly. So yeah. those he's, three he's not, minutes. And he's not that, on the pitch to be a flair player, is he? No. But those parts, those minutes of the game are the different. He is a difference maker, isn't he? Mm. Like, mm. you know, when Southampton wrapping that decent run, it was all because of him, weren't they? They weren't particularly like flashy or you didn't think they were absolutely astonishingly good football team. But the fact of the matter was when they did get the ball in the opposition box and it fell to the feet of their centre forward, a, he was making sure it fell to his feet more because of his clever positioning and clever running. And B, when that happened, his conversion rate was absolutely superb. 
So I've wanted him for a long time. Even before he went to Villa, I was a bit gutted when he went there. And I'm pretty surprised it didn't work for him there. And no, I, I think it's brilliant. And I, I'm not, you know, I'd like to see how it might work with Schmacker or whatever. But it's certainly an upgrade on Mikel Antonio. And I think these days, goal scoring wise, I think opposition play uh, fans, players, sorry, uh, looking at West Ham team they've got coming up, they will be more fearful of Danny Ings being on the starting lineup than Mikel Antonio. For centre backs, they might not have an easier ride uh, in far as they probably come off feeling like they've had a physical battle with Antonio every week, and that wouldn't be the case with Danny Ings. But the difference is Danny Ings, with a little drop of his shoulder, a little shimmy, and a little flash of movement, m- can make the defender look silly in a heartbeat and have the ball in the back of the net twice. And all of a sudden, you know, your team's lost two or three nil. It's not mm. going to happen with Antonio, is it? Is it if you match a different pace of power? Yeah, yeah. If you, he's not going to, he's not going to do you with intelligence or a, a cheeky little sneaky run or superb positioning or absolute razor sharp finishing, is he? He's not going to do those things. Uh, so no, absolutely delighted uh, to see Michael Antonio uh, up front. And I, I must apologise um, as well, Jonesy, to Mikhail. Uh, that tongue-in-cheek comment I made about Danny Ings matching his Premier League total of goals for this season. He's actually got three, not two. Three well, in the he almost did until he came off the bench and scored. Yeah, exactly. He, precisely. So, at one point in that game, until Antonio had scored, Danny Ings had matched Antonio's Premier League goal score record for this season. Three goals in 23. Look, I know recently it sort of comes across that being disrespectful towards Antonio. It's not that. I genuinely have loads of respect for his time at West Ham and and what an integral part he's been in, in some really successful teams. Um, and, of course, we all remember him fondly. I don't think it's disrespectful to be of the opinion that his best days are behind him now and mm-hmm. that if West Ham want to be where we all want to be, that Mikel Antonio, unfortunately, anymore doesn't feature a part of that. Just like it would be weird to play Trevor Brooking on the left wing now. Doesn't mean you don't love him or appreciate what he's done for the club. <laughs> Just players do get older and become less effective. That's what's happening to Mikhail. Um, James, uh, we don't normally go straight into football, so I feel a little bit uncomfortable having done that. Um, what's, uh, first of all, I'll let you know what's coming up on the show first. We've got two opposition views this week. First of all, we'll look back at that Nottingham Forest game in more detail in the first section, as we always do. We've got two opposition views coming up. We've got Moss, the Brighton fan, returning to the show once again um, to talk about that game against the Seagulls on the weekend. And we've got Tony from Talk Sport, the Manchester United fan. We had him on for the first time earlier this season. He was at Wembley on Sunday, so we'll have a chat ahead of that game. FA Cup match at Old Trafford on Wednesday, which I will be going up to. I'm very much looking forward to it, actually. Manchester United do look good, of course. Um, Eric Ten Hag saying after they beat Newcastle in the Carabao Cup final on Sunday, how the focus has to immediately switch to West Ham. I was sitting there thinking, nah, just go and have a few beers, take your team out. You've won the first trophy for five years. Go and get lashed up for a couple of days. Don't worry about the FA Cup. Doesn't look like what that's what Man United are going to be doing. So Tony from Talk Sport will be on to tell us, talk all things Reds later on in the show. And then you'll have some final thoughts from me and Jonesy, uh, James, before we get on to that Nottingham Forest look back 
Um, anything exciting to report outside of football? I know you've got house move coming up. Now is probably a good time, actually, James, to tell everyone that the week commencing March the 20th, uh, we will be having a week off. James is moving house. I will be uh, in Mallorca on holiday. Uh, so we'll be having a week off that week. What else is going on, Jonesy, West Hamerside? Anything interesting, funny, quirky, or as the listeners have come to love from you, downright dull to tell me about your life? Yeah. Um, oh, mate, it's been a, been a pretty quiet week. Uh, I've still got a little bit of gout. I'm still knocking about a little bit. But it's, it's getting there. Yeah, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. still a little bit of pain, but I'm, I'm, I'm making progress there. Um <laughs> No, other than that, I've it's been really. I'm just kind of building up to the house move, yep. which is in a couple of weeks. So, um, so yeah, just kind of sorting out removal men and you know all that boring stuff. I'm just buying cardboard boxes and working out what's coming with us, what's not, and and all yep. the rest of it. So, um, but yeah, other than that, mate, it's been it's been a pretty dull week. Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing's really gone on. It's been pretty straightforward. Yeah, happy days. I will admit though, mate, Martin Handel, absolute OG legend, listened to the podcast, sent you a lovely email, didn't he, this week to the wearewestampod at gmail.com. Um, just the, welcome to Berry. I think he's from Berry St. Edmunds. Uh, yeah. Talk me through this, first of all. Yeah, so sorry, Martin just said he's just moved here from Walthamstow after our last relegation. I don't know if the two were linked. He decided to get out of London when we were last relegated. But yeah, a few, um, three or four different uh, pub recommendations for you. The local long, non-league team as well. Nice ground, very friendly. Wishing you well with your move. Um, and said, quite a few hammers around here. You're bound to bump into Ray the window cleaner at some point. who does the shop fronts in the town centre. Um, good for a chat about West Iron Bowl accounts. What a wonderful email that was. Yeah, lovely. Um, yeah, thanks for that, mate. Um, You're getting do... loads of loads of communication from the listeners the last few weeks, haven't you? Yeah. Loads yeah. of, load of members of the GSA, the Gout Sufferers Association. Now the Berry St. Edmunds Housing House Owners Committee or whatever. Who, who would have thought having such a dull life would attract such attention? <laughs> Um, the, the the pub recommendations were, were very helpful. I already know of the beer house. Ago, I was actually in there maybe what three weeks ago with my yeah. father-in-law. It's a good little pub on the corner. Um, so yeah, I like that place. Um, and a couple of others. Um, I actually I didn't actually know. I think one of one of the other recommendations I've been in once before, but he didn't mention the one that I've that I've noticed is closest to my new house. Hmm. Uh, so I'm thinking I might reply. I've had a chance yet. I might reply and see whether he's he, he scouted that one out for me, just so I know before I go. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, really nice, really nice yeah. to know that I'll be I'll be welcome in Barry St Edmunds when I do arrive. Quite. I mean, proof if we didn't know it already that um, listeners to this podcast are actually a very friendly bunch indeed. Uh, clear one thing up for me then, Jonesy. Do residents of Barry St Edmunds, as appears to be the case in Martin's email, just call it Barry? Yes. Or does he think you're moving to the one in the greater district of Oldham or whatever? No, no, it, they do. And I, I got confused when my sister-in-law moved up a couple of years ago. They moved moved to Bury St. Edmunds and they kept going, oh, you know, bury this, bury that. And I'm like, but you're not moving up to like what near Manchester or wherever it is. What are yeah. we talking about? And I don't know Bury St. Edmunds. And I was like, yeah, I, I get it, but just call it Bury St. Edmunds. Yeah. Uh, or B or V, I don't know. The BSE, yeah. BSE, 
very, very, very BE, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been then like, over, over CEO the of the years. BSE, GSA. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've now got into the habit of just calling it Berry as well now. So oh, people, no. people are now probably thinking the same as what I thought before. When I say Berry, they're like, well, you're moving that yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than Suffolk. So, mm. um, But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's just everyone just calls it Berry. Yeah. Why don't they call it Edmunds? Same amount of syllables, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Same or Saints? Yeah, but then you start people start thinking talking about Noel Edmonds, then, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, yeah. very true. A bit weird. Less loath to make that mistake, <laughs> indeed. Um, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. I'm at William Pugh underscore James is at by James Jones. Um, you can, what else can you do? You can email us like Martin did this week. We are West Ham pod at gmail.com. Proof that we do see them. We do, um, or James is yet to reply apparently, but, um, yeah, we do. We see all the messages you get through. So that's good. We're on Instagram at we are West Ham pod and get in touch with us over there. A few of you, um, you can follow our social personal accounts through that as well. A few of you get in touch with both of us. We enjoy reading those messages. Um, you can get us on YouTube, uh, which is on, again, search We Are West Ham Podcast. I think we're on Facebook as well, but I think, let's be honest, Jonesy, we don't utilise Facebook as much as any of the others, do we? So um, if you're going to follow us on something, do it on Twitter and on YouTube. And you can buy us a pint, if you so wish, for perhaps you want to send Jonesy some money to wish him well with his new move and you want to buy uh, him to be able to buy himself a pint at any of the four or five new berry pubs that uh, Martin sent across. That's buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. I'll be heading up there to visit Jonesy once he's moved in and settled down. We'll probably do a live podcast and go and have a few pints. If you fancy chipping in uh, to the whip round for that, it's buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. I think that's it for the first section. So, Jonesy, let's get into section one and look back on that 4-0 thumping of Nottingham Forest at London Stadium on the weekend. Next. Jonesy, it's been a very long time since West Ham won a game four goals to nil especially in the Premier League. I don't actually know when that is. I, I feel like conscientious podcasters who were intro in the section about their team winning 4-0 would have quickly taken a moment to check the last time West Ham either scored four goals at London Stadium, if that's ever happened, or won a game 4-0. Your face tells me you know the answer. I'm pretty sure I do. Um, it had... It had massive vibes of Moyes' first game back when we beat Bournemouth 4-0 at home. Right. I um, thought it was Bournemouth. I said that to my dad. Yes. But but we've won 4-0 at least once since then in the Premier League. It was during lockdown. We beat Wolves 4-0 during really? lockdown. Bowen scored a couple of goals. It was it was yeah. I think it was one of the first fixtures after the restart, uh, behind closed doors. Um and it was it was we went into that game, we're worried about potentially going down and we still hadn't scored a Premier League goal against Wolves since Wolves had come back up and it was like, oh, here we go. Mm. And um, beating 4-0, um, Sebastian Haller scored that day as well. So, But I'm pretty sure we we haven't won 4-0 in the Premier League since then. Oh, no. Away from home we did. We beat Norwich, didn't we? 4-0. Of course. Michael Antonio of all four. Michael Antonio of all four. But other than that, I think it's been... It's the last been pretty, time he scored, I think. Yeah, it might, might have been. So, we have done it quite a few times but it did have it had it had vibes of David Moyes first game back beating Bournemouth 4-0 at London Stadium um, and 
Yeah, so you don't write us off too much, mate. We do win 4-0 every now and then. Yeah, true, true. I could not remember the last time. I did say Bournemouth. I thought we'd done Bournemouth at some stage. Um, yeah, so where do you want to start then, mate? Four goals to choose from. Uh, a penalty appeal that wasn't, um, again, after the decisions that went for Forrest at the city ground. Yeah. The fact they could even complain about any of them. It was quite baffling, to be quite honest. Uh, the, I mean, do you want to start there and get out of the way and then finish on the good stuff? Ben Johnson tackle on Brennan Johnson. B Johnson on B Johnson. I don't mm. notice that now. I wonder if they do, um, what's it called? The baby oil, isn't it? Johnson and Johnson. I think yeah. they do. I think they did all the vaccines in America as well, to be fair. So quite diverse. I don't think it is them, is it? Brendan and Ben just do a sideline in global pharmaceuticals or no yeah, maybe i don't know <laughs> I, I mean I'd, I'd be very surprised but <laughs> yeah yeah i would be pretty shocked yeah yeah um, um yeah so johnson on johnson uh my opinion just briefly clear contact ridiculous dive far too late to try and make it obvious um i don't really begrudge him going down he feels contact in the box you'd want your players to go down as well wouldn't have been at all surprised really if it was given fact it wasn't is hardly a travesty against football either um, and given what happened and all the luck they had and decisions at the city ground earlier in the season I think that's just God if there is one deciding um, that actually that I should probably level the playing field here a bit yeah I mean it's a, for me it's a non-starter I think I'll make you right I don't think it was a penalty um, the fact that it's not even in Half of the highlights packages released since. Well, true, yeah. I haven't. I mean, I've watched. I've watched about three or four different highlights packages um, since, and uh, I don't recall them ever showing that as a, as a key moment in the game. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, they can, can bemoan VAR or you know bemoan the decision all they want, but you're right. The fact is that they had enough of that at City Ground. Um, don't feel sorry for them at all. Um, and it would have been, it would have been quite. I think it would have been fortunate had they got the penalty out of that because I don't think it was a penalty at all. Um, no, I've, well, I don't know. I think if that was West Ham and the conversation we'd be having on here, and your opinion would be different. Maybe I don't know. Well, no, I'm telling you. I know you extremely well now, mate. Yeah, yeah I'm just <laughs> telling you that's what exactly what you'd be saying. Um, yeah, no, well, it, it was what it was. And obviously, we put four goals beyond them. Um, like I said, we'll finish on a positive with, with chatting about the goals in a minute. A particularly miserable colleague of mine, uh, curmudgeonly, I would say, not miserable, but curmudgeonly, um, journalist and West Ham fan, who I think he tweeted something about Moyes last week. And, and I just replied and was just like, look, Lost one, I think it was before the Spurs game. Oh, yeah, no, it was after the Spurs game. Just moaning, saying he's got to go. And I just said, you know, that's only a second defeat of the calendar year. The performances have clearly improved. You know, we've got a couple of draws, but they were against Newcastle and Chelsea, which are obviously good results um, because they're good teams with good players. But the performances have been better. We've had one bad half out of six across those games against Spurs, Newcastle, and Chelsea. We've just it's like just because you haven't won, that doesn't mean there hasn't been improvement. Anyway, I bumped into him in the toilet in the office um, yesterday, just all innocent. Like we were just, you know, as you do normally, not in the cubicles or anything like that. Nothing <laughs> <I think laughs> untoward. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and just sort of having a chat. 
And he's still, you know, oh, I said, oh, that's good, wasn't it? You know, Saturday, four new at home. I'm just like, one of those people who just, it's like, how do you, if you're still grumbling after a four nil home victory, he's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, we were rubbish up until we, and anyone, it's like the same, my dad with, with Danny Ings, oh, he was rubbish up until he scored those two goals. What, you know, those two match winning goals he scored. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, West Ham were rubbish up until they scored those four goals. It's like, so what, you'd only be happy if we scored the four goals inside the first five minutes, would you? Like when does your, when does your, how long are we allowed to still be in the game with the chance of winning it for before it's a complete disaster? It's like <laughs> matches of football are 90 minutes plus stoppage time. And providing you score more goals than the opposition within that time frame, you win the football match. But like that's how it works. Like, and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we were rubbish up until we scored. I was like, First of all, we weren't rubbish, and then we did score four times, and the oppo- the opponents didn't score any times, and and it's ah oh, yeah, it's not going to change though, is it? We'll lose at Man United on Wednesday, and so well potentially yes, but we're going to Old Trafford against Manchester United, so yeah, we might lose that game. <laughs> yeah, you know, what, Moises, you in the Forest at home Manchester. isn't going to determine whether you beat Man United away, is it? What do you mean? It's like, well, yeah, we might go, like. I understand why why that's something that you would bring up in while you're moaning. Oh, yeah, but we we're going to lose lose to Man United, so the win against Forest that's was irrelevant. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, but it's just, you know, when those people like, I I think we are really good, genuinely, at being flexible and pragmatic and open minded. I think we're both pretty willing to hear another point of view and change our perspective on it. But some people are just so dug into what they believe, aren't they? And particularly when it comes to the the Moyes out stuff, it's like, you know, we said a few weeks ago, didn't we, quite openly after the Wolves defeat, oh, okay, yeah, perhaps it is time for a change. Like, we were Moyes in for a lot of time, but you, you slowly, you change and you see the evidence, you hear what other people say, whatever, and you go, yeah, okay, fair enough. And then, but you don't have to just believe that forever. Mm. And I feel like that's what's been going on. Like, there's been clear improvement it's not great yet, but just because it's not this perfect utopia where we're smashing everyone in sight, we're trending in the right direction again. And I, I, I just think, you know, it's just so easy for people with that agenda to look at the cup games and go, oh, they're only cup games. It's like, well, yeah, they are. But you would, if they wouldn't only be cup games if we'd lost them, you'd be using them as ammunition for your argument to get rid of Moyes. So look, we crashed out. We couldn't even beat Derby in the FA Cup. Like, actually, we got a, a win away at a fellow Premier League team who were playing better than us at the time in Brentford. And then we went up against one of the biggest teams in League One who should really be in the Championship. The game we would have lost in the past won that as well. And I, I, I don't know. I just find it really, really confusing. I just I think there's still a large element of that, like, of that in our fan base. Um, and it's just a bit confusing. We've just won 4-0. Like yeah. that, what more can you do? The, the reality uh, is that on Saturday, yeah, I mean, at half time, we were saying, I mean, mates were saying, you know, probably should have been a little bit better in the first half, but, you know, get get a goal and we we win the game. Forest's Forest away, away form was terrible anyway. So it's like, all we need to do is score one goal and we'll win this game. Doesn't matter if it's 1 0 and it's it's just a bit of a bit of a scrappy 1 0 in the end, whatever. Mm. Um, but it did feel like, we were still in danger of, you know, Forrest could probably nick, nick a goal and then it's a little bit panic stations. 
Um, fact is, we were all expecting Forrest to turn up and make it very, very difficult for us very, very early in order to get the crowd a little bit tense and get the pressure on the on the team. And that's what I would have done if I'm Steve Cooper and not the Forest. And they didn't. So for me, that was a positive going in at half time. Going okay, it hasn't been hasn't been convincing, but we're still in it. They haven't really frustrated us that well that that much. Mm. And all we got to do is score one goal and we'll win the game because you know very unlikely they'll score. And if they do score first, we should be good enough to get 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 back into it. So then going and win four 0 far more than we were expecting at half time, um, or even on the L mark. I mean, the first goal came in the seventieth minute. So with half mm. hour left, you're going, oh, you know, time's running out a little bit, and then you go and win four 0 so, Nothing to moan about. No, anything. It's the, it's the perfect result. It's the it's the perfect. Yeah. It's like great. It, you know, it improves our goal difference. Uh, in a season where goal difference is going to be very important down there, I think. Mm. Um, so, I mean, anyone that complains just clearly will never be happy ever again. Um, <laughs> so, you just got a lot. I don't, yeah, okay, it wasn't perfect uh, up until the 70th minute, but after the 70th minute, it was fantastic. Yeah. And we completely blew them away. And the striker that we signed in January scored two of the goals. Yeah. And, you know, a striker that we brought off the bench, who isn't really a striker, but has been playing as a striker recently, also <laughs> scored. Yeah. Um, and our £50 million record signing played pretty well before he got subbed off. And it's like, all these things, you've got to take the yeah. positives and go, OK, there's a lot of good positive signs there to suggest that we're going to be all right in a couple of months' time when the season's over. Mm-hmm. And are we in the Premier League still? Are we not in the Premier League? Like, the signs are good. Yeah. So let's be positive. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Honestly, I, I just think it's, it's, it's a... It's an odd situation. I understand it hasn't been great this year, but we will be okay. And and I honestly think, you know, it's sort of one of those, I was nervous about Saturday more because I had a real inherent belief we would win the game, just as we did at Everton, right? And all right, David Moyes against the bigger teams isn't so good. And I am sort of thinking, why the hell am I going up to Old Trafford on Wednesday when Mm -hmm. we are 100% going to win 2-0 without ever really like attacking their box. <laughs> but hey, it is what it is. But against the teams around us, that's why we've been so successful the past couple of seasons. We beat the teams that historically fans will always go, oh, we should beat them. And we have been beating teams like that. The Everton game a few weeks ago was a massive pressure game. 2-0, no problem. Well played, lads. Well played, Moisey. Nottingham Forest, given what had gone before, it's like turned into another... Um, you know, big pressure game from, and I, I think we try and avoid building up the hype too much, but it was inevitable, right? Just because of the nature of the season so far, when you have a dodgy start, more pressure comes onto the games at the end. So it, it was a pressure game on on Saturday, and I, I genuinely just, I'm still barking about to anyone who listens saying we're too good to go down, and I had an inherent belief that you know, that we would be okay on Saturday. But because I've been so vocal about, you know, like, come on, everyone, it's not as bad as you think it is. After, Especially after the Wolves' defeat, there's been a significant recovery. Because mm. of that, I was like, I was just scared. I was like, oh, even though I don't think we'll lose this game against Forest, if we do, it's proper, like, eat your words time and go, like, oh, okay, yeah, no, all, all of you people I've been sort of turning my nose up at going... Oh, why are you just banging on being so negative all the time? It would have been like, oh yeah, right, fair enough, lads. Yeah, yeah, you were right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 
think you just got to, I don't know what you mean, but you just got to, I, I don't know how you can even begin to be upset or look down about a 4 0 win. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't, I'm really struggling to start. We've won 4 0, great. Like we've, mm. I, I remember moaning on last week's pod going, final third place been terrible. Like we're not scoring enough goals. Like, this is not good enough. Like we need to be better at getting in the final third and putting crosses in the box for whoever's in. Like we need to be better at that. We did that on Saturday. I'm not going to moan about it. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. On something that was moaning about a week ago. So I'm going to stop moaning and be happy about the fact they changed it. Yeah. Right, brilliant. Yeah, exactly brilliant. I was moaning about it. Clearly they listened. Yeah, again and again, and they fixed it. We scored four goals. Two of them came mm. from a striker. Like our strikers never score goals. So brilliant. Let's yeah. Be happy. Exactly, mate. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Right, which of your favourite, which of the four goals, excuse me, um, was your favourite then? Obviously, it's easy to say Declan Rice, um, but could just, we'll, we'll finish on a flourish of of this section. Um, which was your, your favourite of the four? Um, I'm going to say Danny Ings' is second, because the build-up play to it was really good, and it's exactly what we've been missing. Uh, like, his first one, now Bowen... I think he's had a shot, but he sweeped it and he's, he's mm. kind of scooped it and he's ended up being a cross. Um, but the second one in particular, the build-up with um, Paquetta and Ben Rama, um, Paquetta did really well to to win the ball back um, and then played in Ben Rama. Ben Rama showed a lot of intent in getting getting into the box and getting to the byline and putting a cross in. Um, we don't see enough of that from him, to be fair, in those positions. Um and then, you know, all Ings has got to do is just get a knee or a toe or a hip or whatever whatever he ended up getting to it and it goes in. Um, natural striker's instincts like, on display. Mm. So just it was the second one purely because it, it, it was the byproduct of uh something that we haven't been doing enough as a as a team all season, and that is like driving into the final third and you know, playing balls in behind defences and putting crosses into the box um for strikers to get on the end of. Um, Declan Rice was, was a good good finish. Um, not worldy material, I don't think, but it was a good good curling at the top bins. Um, I love I do although I've I've watched it back a few times because I love it how it hits the back of the net just as the Forest players walk in behind. Yeah, Renan Loddy, isn't it? Yeah, and he's kind of if you look closely, he kind of looks up, it's the back of the net, and he just looks down again really quickly. He doesn't react at all. He's just he's probably thinking, oh my god. Yeah, um, and then Antonio's goal was very similar. Uh, in terms of build-up play, four hours this time, getting in the box and putting a, a deep cross in. So they all had their, um, you know, they all had attract, attractive qualities about them. But for me, it's the second one, just because it, it just showed that, it just proved that if you get in the box and put balls in the box and you attack defences, you've got half a chance of scoring goals. Mm. Right. And we showed that, we did it four times and that's why we've been doing it all season. But I'm not going to moan. Because we're going to be positive about it, but yeah. but yeah, that was my favourite. Yeah, fair enough. I, I would go for Ingsy's first, and that was sort of a bit of an awkward one with the offside, the VAR, and um, I just think him getting off the mark. I think he's good. He's brilliant. So important. It yeah, broke the deadlock in the game as well, obviously. And like you said, you didn't feel like you're going to nose it up from there. Um, it obviously was the catalyst for the flurry of goals that came in quick succession after. So I'm just, I just really want him, as I do with every West Ham player, of course, but just really want Keane for Ingsy to be a success. Um, and I, I honestly think he will be. I, I just think it's a, it's a good fit at the moment. 
And we've needed somebody who just knows where the back of the net is for a while. It hasn't really got off the ground with Skamaka so far for various different reasons, obviously, namely his injuries. But he looks good when he's about. And it's just nice to have two players now uh, who look like they, that who are going to play centre forward and look like they've trained to be a centre forward their whole lives, mm. as opposed to a really good... Um, sort of a bit more of an all-round footballer and athlete in Mikel Antonio, who's made the position work for himself and, and you know been a, a reasonably a reasonable success there over the past few seasons. But it's just nice to to have a couple of centre forwards playing in those positions. But anyway, Jonesy, absolutely brilliant to uh, get that win over Forest at the weekend. Oh, I, well, again, there isn't really a conversation to be had about. Um, Moyes in or out now, but the uh, yeah, obviously got a big game against Manchester United in the cup on Wednesday. We've moved up to 16th, Jonesy. Another win. I mean, I know obviously we're not going to beat Brighton because we never do. Uh, they're looking pretty good under Deserve. We'll speak to Moss shortly to hear his thoughts on that game. But another win would get us 27 points. Still looking like 12th or 13th, that's not really, still not really in the glamour positions. But 4-0 win is brilliant, trending in the right direction. Happy days. Stay with us because we'll look ahead to the Man United game in the FA Cup on Wednesday at Old Trafford next with Tony from TalkSport. So I'm delighted to say joining us once again on the We Are West Ham podcast is friend of the show, friend of mine, Tony Afoki from TalkSport. Tony, how's it going, mate? Glad to see you back on the podcast 24 hours after Manchester United's win in the Carabao Cup final against Newcastle on Sunday. I know from your Instagram stories, you were there. You looked like you were enjoying yourself an awful lot, sunshine. <laughs> yeah, uh, first of all, thank you for having me once again. And yeah, listen, I'm buzzing from uh, yesterday's win. I know it's the Carabao Cup trophy, but it's been six years since we last won a trophy and I was 19 years old. Trust me, I've done a lot since I was 19, so I do deserve to have at least one... 24 hours of just pure carnage. But yeah, excited to play against you lot again and excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, happy days, mate. Happy days. Talk to me through, obviously, one one story at United at the moment. How was, how was the day on Sunday? It looked, uh, it was a pretty good occasion, I thought. But a big cup final between two big sides, big following. Sold out Wembley. A reasonable game of football. But what, what did you make of it? How was your day? Yeah, uh, first of all, I got a shout out to the Newcastle fans. I think they were absolutely class. Like, I barely saw any Man United fans until I was actually at the stadium, like on my, way to, on my way to like go walking down Wembley Way and even in the box park where Tulsa had their OB. There was just Newcastle fans everywhere and they were proper class, to be fair. So, shout out to them. But yeah, decent, a decent day, a decent occasion out for both sides. I think the game was pretty, even though I could say I was probably had like a couple too many beers but the game wasn't really that great like it was it was more game management after two decent goals rather than oh we completely battered them but mm. at the end of the day we got the result and as big as this is for many United fans because it's been so long since we've won a trophy I feel like with Ten Hag now it's just about West Ham on Wednesday like enjoy it but now we've got to think about West Ham on Wednesday well that that's what was sort of irritating me the most after the game obviously I was delighted when you beat Barcelona last Thursday because I thought excellent. That's one thing they're still <clears throat> they're still focusing on. Um, then when you won on on Sunday, obviously you knew that was coming up. You're Liverpool in the cup on the weekend. I was like, 
Absolutely brilliant. They're going to exhaust all their energy supplies. The FA Cup will be their lowest priority. There'll be a few peripheral fringe players getting the nod. Um, but yeah, I was a bit mortified afterwards when Eric Ten Hag was asked, you know, would it be champagne for, I think Roy Keane asked him on the telly, would it be champagne for the players uh, and the coaches tonight? He said, the managers and the staff maybe, but the players have got training tomorrow. I think United got a 10pm flight back to Manchester last night. Um, and then we're in for training today, focusing on Wednesday. I was like, oh, that's, that's a bit annoying. I thought it might be like a night on the tiles. I could have gone out with you. That would have been an absolute... Result. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for that one day. One day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was very much, you know, yeah, this is good and we'll enjoy it because we should and we have to. Um, but yeah, the sort of mentality straight away, there was all, it was all very much, you know, this is just the beginning, blah, blah, blah. Do you feel with that sort of chat, Tony, that, that's sort of what they have to say playing for Manchester United and being Manchester United manager, just because to sort of avoid the criticism of, oh, it's just the League Cup, like, calm down, we're Manchester United. Do you feel like they sort of have to say that or do you feel he actually means it? The thing is, I feel like he actually means it because if you focus on a lot of Man United's Cup games this season, we haven't really rotated which it's, mm. for a fan, it's quite scary. I feel like the most we rotated was Charlton at home, but you still had 89 million Anthony starting. You had Kobe uh, Minor, who's 17, who um, made his debut. But other than that, he doesn't really rotate. So I'm quite, I'm not saying I'm worried for, I'm not saying I'm worried for West Ham fans, but I feel like West Ham fans should be worried because we now have a manager who's kind of obsessed with winning mm. and he doesn't, want to be he doesn't prioritize trophies or doesn't want to prioritize the league like there was so i really and truly i wanted top four and a trophy i've now got my Mm. trophy and i'm still focused on top four but now i know how my manager is i'm thinking we might as well just go for it all even though i still think man united are a couple injuries away from completely capitulating but I don't think he he just wants to do it like i i don't get it but at the same time i do because this guy is just obsessed with winning so I'm like, I know this is a big game because you win this, you get into the quarters of the FA Cup. But then I'm thinking we've got Anfield on Sunday and we haven't mm. won at Anfield since that quite matter bicycle kick. So it's, again, it's been a long time. So I'm I'm really looking forward to what we can do with a kind of shaky Liverpool team. But we've still got you lot to play. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I was sort of. It's one of those, isn't it, where opposition fans always look for weaknesses where they can and potential reasons why they might be able to beat someone or have an advantage over someone another team West Ham's game of course on on Saturday you've got that extra day we had a good win over Nottingham Forest but our confidence generally is shaky at the moment the David Moyes' record uh, away in particular but just generally against big six sides is is awful and uh, it's one of those you go big games etc etc but the big game against Barcelona the big game on Sunday You've won both of those. So while, you know, there's you sort of think, oh, there's fatigue or you hope there's fatigue. And then Liverpool, focus on Liverpool on Sunday because that's a big game. That'll be in Ten Hag's mind, which of course it will. You just, you sort of feel, well, yeah, but they've got that winning feeling. Mm. They've got that winning momentum. There's clearly a really positive mindset around the club. And I mean, Ten Hag, what a job he's doing. Absolutely sensational. I think he's... Yeah, I, I think he's carrying himself and showing the most genuine promise at Manchester United since Sir Alex Ferguson and all of the all of the people you, you've had 
um, since him. And it just, you sort of think this isn't a team who's going to slip up at home to West Ham in the FA Cup at Old Trafford off the back of two huge results in the Carabao Cup and then Liverpool on Sunday. You just feel like the momentum's with you at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I remember you guys, I think you knocked us out of the FA Cup at Old Trafford. The League Cup. The League Cup. first win in 17 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, we rotated. And I feel like if we rotate against, because West Ham still have a good team. I I look at your players and I know maybe it's not working. I don't know what's completely going on at West Ham, but I still look at some of your players and I feel like some of these players could play for Man United. So I'm not all, but some. name me one. Name okay. me one. I would take Paqueta. We still we still employ Scott McTominay, so I'll put Paqueta in my side. <laughs> yeah. So fair enough. Yeah, I suppose but, Paqueta and Declan Rice, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll play Declan Rice. I'm joking. Yeah, no takers for uh, Mikel Antonio or Thomas Suchek. I noticed. No, not at all. But no. um, but this is the thing. Like, I think the most we will rotate against you is Varane will come out, Maguire will come in, but still, there's not if. That's still not the. Oh, God, Jesus. falling to bits in your place. Yeah, I know. Right? What's going on? Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so the most that will happen is probably Maguire coming in. I know Casemiro will play. Maybe Marcel Sabato might come in for Fred. Maybe a little Garnacho for like Rashford. But other than that, I still even feel like Rashford will start. So I feel like he just wants to win and just wants to keep that momentum going. And as you said, we actually do have a manager now that just carries himself properly I've suffered with a lot of managers and bear in mind there were some good days of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer I'm not gonna deny that but the, the difference is now he's just holding players to the standards the high standards and what we I feel like this is the first time of what Man United should have been like going mm. into that final yesterday I was quite confident and not because of the win against Barcelona but it was just the fact that we have a good manager and we have a manager that's obsessed with winning and he's just not gonna lose this game and I know Newcastle were hard to beat, and I was thinking, you know what, we didn't beat them at Old Trafford this season. It was a nil-nil um, draw, but I just went into that game thinking, I'm quite confident. And that's that's a, it's been a long time since I've been a Man United fan because we got to finals with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we got to a load of the semi-finals with him, but I was never really confident. I was be like, okay, mm. if this goes our way, if we counter them, if we soak up the pressure, that happens. But with this team now. We've just sorted out our spine and we just look like a completely different side. And and he's getting the best out of players that were there before. I feel like that's a big, big thing. There was a lot of players yeah. who were there before who we signed for higher money. So they should be, this is what they should be doing. Like mm. we were a banter club for ages and I know Ten Hag's doing a massive job, but this is what should be happening. Yeah, no, quite. But I, I think it's, it's so hard, it's so easy to underestimate the enormity of the job at Manchester United, isn't it? You know, for the the pressure that, that comes from all over the place. I think Ten Hag's deal of the Ronaldo situation was exemplary. I think he, he'd done really well there and it's bearing fruit already. You just feel like it's about Manchester United again, rather than Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, you haven't really, Rashford's playing amazing football at the moment, uh, but it's not the Marcus Rashford show, is it? You've got Fernandes who's doing okay. David De Gea is still pretty reliable, breaking Peter Schmeichel's record. Varane, Casemiro, excellent. And if you, you just don't feel like it's about any of those. It's about Manchester United being successful again. 
Um, and it does look like you're in reasonable shape to do that this season. And it is funny, though, Tony, isn't it? All of a sudden, um, how the League Cup's a really impressive competition all of a sudden from you, like United fans. I didn't hear that. It was, if anything, I thought it was the Mickey Mouse Cup last season, if you heard oh, uh, what most people out of Old Trafford had to say. As I said, it's been six years. And for me, that is a main United fan that grew up in the early 2000s. I enjoyed a lot of my childhood. So... I will take anything. I am not the yeah. biggest users. I remember yeah. back in the day where we lost the FA Cup semi-final to Everton. I want to say it was probably like 2006. We already The league was already wrapped up by then. And I remember going to my mum. Like, oh, uh, we were in the final 2006, mate, against Liverpool. No, it was semis. It was a semis. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, it was 2007. We, we were against not... Liverpool, right, yeah. Yeah, I think it was 2007. But we lost the FA Cup and we had the league wrapped up. I remember going to my mum, oh, mum, I'm tired of winning the league. Like, I want to win an FA Cup. Because the only FA Cup I saw us win was uh, 2004 against Millwall. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, oh, I want to win an, I want to win an FA Cup. Like, I'm tired of winning the league. And what I will do to win a league right now. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I've now kind of got to being, like, I'm kind of being a normal football fan where you don't win every trophy. And now you've yeah, got to yeah. win they come. So it's, it's, yeah, it's no. not been easy. No, I mean, you, you, the amount of people, Tony, listening, going, listen to this bloke. You're on a West Ham podcast, remember? <laughs> Tro- trophies are certainly not easy to come by. The idea of waiting six years um, for for your last trophy. I mean, we we can't even win the Betway Cup, which is the pre-season one-off game that we host uh, <laughs> before every season starts. So, yeah. No, I, um, I, I just think things are seem to be... To be looking up, and, and Ten Hag's even he's got to that stage where he's almost making Manchester United likable as someone who has historically uh, detested them. So uh, he's obviously doing something right. But listen, mate, talk about that game on Wednesday. Then you mentioned already some of the potential rotations that you think might occur. Well, how do you see the game playing out, sort of style wise? Because I'm going up there, and, and quite honestly, I just hope there's a game there to watch do you know what i mean you know if we go out that's that's sort of more likely than than us pulling off a a, another historic win like we did in the league cup whenever that was within the last couple of years i i just yeah i i'm sort of fearful i went tottenham away a few weeks ago we lost two nil didn't have a sniff moisey was just setting up not to lose they got goals at awkward times and we never gave them anything to worry about that was annoying enough when I'd only had to go to North London from South. When I'm going from South England to North England, um, <laughs> there's a bit more on it for me. How do you think the game's going to play out then, style wise? Um, style wise, I feel like it depends on how you guys set up because Man United can get caught out as, as good as we are and as good of, as we've been playing. You, if teams take their chances early on, like for instance, that Leicester game the other day. On paper, we won 3-0, but really and truly, 20, 30 minutes in, we should have been 3-0 down. Yeah. Lose a good saves by the hail, but and especially with the fact that we're playing games every three days, there's going to be a first half, like I've seen it all too often. Maybe this was the first time I would say in our past couple of games that the first half has been quite decent and we've been up because first half against Barcelona, we didn't really do anything. First half mm. against Leicester, we didn't really do anything. And then Rashford just got a goal randomly from a Bruno Fernandes free ball. So I feel like if you guys play your first team 
it depends how, it, how you guys want to actually come up here and play. Because if you play your first team, I feel like you have good enough players to maybe create a couple of chances against us. But other than that, I don't see you lot winning. So I feel like stylistically, I'm not going to say we're going to completely control the game because I feel like West Ham are a good enough side to create some chances against Man United. But I feel like possession-wise, we'll have most of it. It won't look like complete control like the, the home game against Tottenham. But it will be like one of them ones where we will be having most of the ball. You will create a couple of chances in transition and that will be it, really. I feel mm. like it could be a nil-nil first half because we have been recently, with the amount of games we've been playing, our first halves haven't been great. So it could be mm. a nil-nil first half and then second half we just turn out, put Garnacho on or something and then something happens. But I don't see, I just don't see it ha- us having complete control. But I do see us still going through, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's basically what happened at Tottenham. It was just, we worked really hard to stand still at nil-nil in the <laughs> first half. And then the second half, it all just felt a bit, and it just felt a bit inevitable Tottenham were going to score. I'd love to see us get an early goal, but I fear it may go exactly how you said it. A couple of goals from United in the second half. But listen, Tony, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. Uh, Tony Afoki from Talk Sport there, big Man United fan. Uh, just give us a score prediction. West Ham versus Manchester United at Old Trafford Wednesday night in the FA Cup at Old Trafford, Tony. Uh, I'm going to now. Yeah, I assume you mean to Manchester United. I'll ask just for uh, <laughs> the sake messy. of prosperity. Um, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I'm inclined to agree. I'd like to think West Ham could uh, to get one over the line, but yeah, I am uh, I am inclined to agree with you there, mate. Uh, are you going up for the game on Wednesday? No, not this one because I've got I've got um, a game on Thursday, but then after that, I think my next home game is Southampton, which I'll be going up for. Happy days, mate. Happy days. Well, listen, Tony, it's been brilliant having you on. Uh, Tony Afoki there, talk sport, broadcast journalist and Man United fan, friend of the show, friend of mine. Stay with us because we'll have Richie Mills from Sussex Live coming up next to look ahead to that Premier League game, West Ham against Brighton at the Amex this weekend. All of that is next. So I'm delighted to say joining us for the very first time on the podcast is Richie Mills, Brighton correspondent from Sussex Live. Richie, great to have you on the podcast with us for the first time, as I mentioned there. Brighton going great guns in the league at the moment, eighth in the table. Roberto De Zerbi, clearly a far better manager than Graham Potter ever was, uh, proving that, um, yeah, the Seagulls fans, who some of them weren't too disappointed to see Potter go. Uh, Deserby's coming, doing a great job at the moment. A disappointing result last time out, a 1-0 home defeat to uh, Fulham, last Premier League game, of course. But other than that, all looking pretty rosy on the South Coast this season. Yeah, well, first, thanks a lot for having me on. Um, yeah, it is, um, it's, uh, I think a lot of people were worried when Graham Potter left for Chelsea. Uh, in September, they just thought, you know, uh, he's taken Brighton from a team, you know, just above the relegation zone to a top 10 team, you know, the best ever finish in Brighton's history of ninth. Um, they're thinking, oh, God, the wheels are going to fall off. But then Deserby's actually made Brighton maybe better to watch. They get the ball forward quicker. Uh, they love to sort of um, lure you in at the back, stand on the ball, and then use their sort of passing ability and, and numerical advantage for the pitch to kind of outnumber you. Um, and yeah, they're playing some fantastic stuff and they're beating, you know, the top teams, they fresh Chelsea, um, 
in a, a you know a pretty uh, sobering return for Graham Potter at the Amex back in October, and uh, that the I think um, well, Deserby basically said that Brighton are at sixty percent of their capacity, so the future could be very bright for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing you sort of mentioned about goal scoring there, you only have to look back through their last four or five games. Obviously, didn't score, say, 1-0 defeat um, against Fulham at home last time out. one all draw with Palace, beat Bournemouth 1-0 before that. And then, obviously, that, that win over Liverpool 2-1 in, in the FA Cup. So, towards the last month or so, Pierce's sort of goal scoring haven't exactly been rampant in front of goal. Is there anything in that or is, is that just sort of, you know, the way, the way it's gone? Yes, I think um, one player that's been a standout for Brighton over the last few months is Kaoru Matoma, the Japanese winger. Um, I think he scored seven goals in his last 13 games or so. But what teams are doing now is that they're doubling up on him because he's so uh, lethal. Uh, he's so quick, mm. just in, you know, leave you for dead. Um, also, I think... Uh, the goals that were being shared around a bit are drying up a little. So Alexis McAllister hasn't quite been as good since returning from the World Cup. He started yeah. um, the start of January very well, uh, scored a, a couple of goals against Millsborough, but hasn't quite been able to add to it. Pascal Gross as well, he's scored, I think, six goals this season. Um, so I think maybe there is a little bit of a case of teams doing their homework a bit on Brighton and trying to... Um, say we're going to pack the midfield we're going to sit back and you've got to try and break us down and sometimes brighton aren't quite incisive enough in the attacking third to, to do that um so and also the likes of um 18 year old evan ferguson had a bit of an injury and he's sort of getting back up to speed again after scoring a few goals earlier on this um this year so i think it's a combination of teams yeah doing their homework some performances not quite being as good um but i do think that brighton have a lot of strengths um and more often than not uh they win the, the midfield battle and it's key having sort of McAllister and and Caicedo uh there but also just a, a, a little um addition to that Adam Lallana uh has been out for a couple of weeks and I think Bryson actually really missing him uh in yeah. sort of that attacking midfielder number 10 role he's such a, a great leader on the pitch but he's got um even at sort of you know he's come up to 35 this year but he's playing the best football he's played at Brighton since joining from 2020. So he's also been a big loss. Yeah, sort of probably strange to some people thinking, you know, Adam Lallana being a big miss to a team. Many people think his best days would be behind him. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, fair enough. He's always a talented player with a habit of playing well against West Ham when he was at Southampton before he went to Liverpool. The Roberto De Zerbi effect, Richie, what's the sense, you know, when Potter left, like you said, People thinking about the wheels falling off. He seems to be a really the sort of character that football fans absolutely love. And is he not he not proof that the way it's run down there, Paul Barber obviously, you know, pulling the strings, uh, that the way Brighton are run in comparison to some other clubs in the Premier League, you'll know West Ham fans have had their grievances with our owners over the past few years. Um, Brighton and Brentford are probably heralded as the two standout uh, football club ownership models in the Premier League? Is it not just proof that De Zerbi effect that it's actually above him where um, just as much of the excellent work as, is being done as it is in the touchline? Yes, it's a good question. I think it's a combination of both. I think Brighton fans and even the Brighton hierarchy actually feel that um, De Zerbi might be a better coach and take Brighton to, 
to higher levels than than Potter could. Um, but also, yeah, the point you raised about the kind of uh, the board and, and that sort of thing. So Brighton have got this. Um, I think it was from the Apprentice years ago. Bounce back ability. Uh, they they kind of you know they, they lose Ben White, who was um, one of their best players a few couple of seasons ago. But then the following season, their defense improves in terms of defending yeah. goals. They lose Mark Kukurea for you know. Uh, obviously, they bought him for 15 million, sold him for nearly four times that amount. But now they've got a left back, Purvis Stupinian, who could be better, and he's actually providing more assists. Um, Ibasuma left, and everyone's thinking, oh no, that's a massive gaping hole there. And Moises Caicedo slotted in fantastically. So they just seem to have this sort of conveyor belt of talent that just keeps on being, you know, produced. And with Deserbi, yeah, I, I think um, he was quick to sort of praise Graham Potter for sort of laying the foundation to allow them to have the success. But yeah. yeah, I think there's so much sort of um, basically the, the the former Brighton technical director Dan Ashworth basically said that Brighton is it's like the spokes of a, a bicycle. So you've right. got all these little strands that go off in these different departments, and they're all really well drilled, and and they're talking with each other. So basically, when well, you know one goes out, another one just comes in. So it's the whole system that is really well in put in place. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And obviously. Um, Paul Barber, Tony Bloom, putting those those spokes or that framework in place, I guess. Um, yeah, this has got to be applauded. Richie, I've vowed on this season to not let myself get so mentally dragged down by the fact that West Ham United have not beaten Brighton and Hove Albion <laughs> in any competition since their return to the Premier League. The last time we recorded a victory over them, was the 14th of April 2012. I actually got the date wrong elsewhere on this podcast. I thought it was 2013. So we're approaching in on 11 years that uh, since West Ham's last victory over Brighton. It's been 11 attempts since, five defeats, six draws. There's six draws are in the spin, but it's uh, on, the, on the spin between 2019 and 2021. The last two games we've played against the Seagulls uh, resulted in a 3-1 defeat and then a 2-0 defeat last time out. I, I just, I've said I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not thinking about it anymore. I'm choosing to not, I'm, I've already accepted that we're not going to do it again. I, in my head, West Ham will never beat Brighton and Hobie Albion <laughs> until the end of time. And I've decided, you know, it's a, a, as a sort of modern, progressive, liberal young man as I, as I like to be, I've just decided that I'm not going to carry the negative emotion uh, attached <laughs> because last season, when, when we beat the uh, last last time, I was just absolutely, I just couldn't cope with it anymore. It, and, you know, we had a lot of Brighton fans getting in the comments on our YouTube channel. So oh, it's just this sort of entitlement that makes people, you know, hate clubs like the fans of bigger clubs or clubs who think they're bigger than us, blah, blah, blah. Um, little old Brighton, and it's not. It's not any of that. I, I think I really like Brighton. I like the the city. I like all the Brighton fans I've ever met. I like the kit. I love the way the clubs run. The football's good. You know everything about the club is great. But the fact that West Ham have been able to beat them in eleven meetings just infuriates me. We've beaten all the other teams, the top six, at least once since then. It's just one of those weird little glitches that football throws up every now and then. What what do you make of it from from your stance? Because n not a single win in eleven 
where arguably the two sides are at a relatively similar level. It is just one of those odd things that happens in football, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, um, well, firstly, I hope you feel a bit better after that kind of venting. But you feel you know, a bit more yeah, <laughs> therapy. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's just a weird, like, bogey team thing. Like, um, I think, uh, like, Leeds United with, with Cardiff City, you know, they've won, like, two out of 20 in the last 20 years. It's just one of those bizarre things that gets thrown up. But, it, yeah. I mean, if you look at, so I started covering Brighton in September 2020, and uh, the... The one that was interesting for me was um, there was, I, th- I think, a couple of times West Ham definitely should have won. I think the, um, you know, the Neil Mope late goal last season, the overhead bicycle kick, that was a game where West Ham probably deserved to win, um, but couldn't quite get over the line. Um, and I think even last year, uh, season at the Amex, when, you know, um, I think it was Antonio scored that really good uh, left-footed strike into the corner. Mm. I thought this is finally because I've got quite a few West Ham mates who say the same thing. They hate Brighton, you know, just because I don't understand yeah, how it works. But, mm. but yeah, they thought this is. I think I got a few texts saying this is finally going to happen, and then obviously the second half happened. But I'm not sure if it's a case of um, uh, because it's obviously Brighton have had like three different managers in that time, so it's not so much like mm. a stylistic matchup. Maybe it's I don't know. Right. It could be essentially like a mental block, or and, and I well, think that's there was, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's just every single time the fixture comes around again, I latch on to. I'm like, it's different this time. Brighton are completely. It doesn't matter what form Brighton are in. It doesn't matter what form West Ham are in. It doesn't matter whether it's home or away. And it is genuinely at that stage now, where you just go, well, we're not. It doesn't matter. Like we're just not going to win. Do you know what I mean? It sort of gets to that after like, when someone says you haven't beaten them in six meetings, you go, that's quite a lot. And then when it's like, then it sort of becomes a thing. And then the nature of some of the games as well. And it's at that stage out 11, I mean, 11 times. There's so many things that have happened since, you know, we last, I mean, obviously we, we last beat them in 2012, but then there was a five-year gap. We weren't in the same division. So October 2017, and they're, they're all like high scoring games. They're always reasonably entertaining, but we never come out on, on the right end of it. Uh, looking ahead, obviously we have already agreed that West Ham won't win the game. But looking ahead <laughs> to that game at the Amex, Richie, what what do you think? How's it going to play out style wise? Do you think? Um, well, I, I guess um, just obviously I don't know enough about West Ham. Um, nah, but yeah, but... the yeah from a Brighton perspective, they will um, they love to kind of dominate the ball. That's like. Basically, all the midfielders have like been told to have like at least a hundred touches of the ball in the game. That's like what Deservey wants, and he wants them to, to yeah, front football. Um, I, I think uh, he said um, basically uh, he, they just basically kind of want to make the um, all the running their way. It's just like it's all about us. If we can execute our plan, then hopefully we can win. Um, It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Bryce has got a few injury issues that have come up. So I went to uh, Deserby's press conference today, and um, the left back purpose says Stupinian is missing the Stoke game tomorrow um, with slight, I think, um, tightness in his leg. Solly March is missing the game. Levi Cole is missing the game. Billy Gilmore is missing the game. Danny Welbeck's back, but 
there's a there's a potential none of those absences will make me feel any more confident you could tell me <laughs> that the under 16s are going to be playing on the weekend i would have no more confidence we're going to get a result but yeah carry on <laughs> um but yeah, I guess um, with Brighton, you raised it earlier, you know, they, they haven't been as free-flowing of late. And obviously, West Ham's 4-0 win would have give, done them a world of good against Forest. So, um, but I, I do think that, uh, yeah, West Ham will have to maybe even be better than than that to, in terms of, obviously, that, that kind of, I think, 15-minute spell that you had was fantastic. But I think there are definitely... Um, you know, West Ham can be got at. Obviously, they're not having the best season. And I, and I think a team like Brighton, who can really pass the rule around very, very quick and slick, um, they they can definitely hurt teams. Um, but I, I don't think, I think it will be, I mean, all these, usually all these games are very close, apart from maybe the last mm. two. They've always been like pretty much draws or but one goal. So I think it'll be a, a pretty tight uh, affair. I think Brighton may just edge it, but... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw. No, I I think it's odd because whenever, funny enough, whenever you know the opposition views we do, whenever people say what you said there about teams liking to dominate the ball and all that, me and most West Ham fans who've watched us under David Moyes a couple past few seasons so successfully as well, go, oh, that's a result. Because we don't mind that at all. Moyes is quite happy to have 30, 35, 40% possession. Uh, in most games, and try and pick off on on the counter attack. That he has tried this season, which is probably why we struggled to perhaps try and dominate the ball a little bit more. But I find away from home, that's uh, there is that you know um, ability among West Ham's players to perhaps do that a little bit more and absorb a bit of the pressure and and let the other team knock the ball around. A little bit because at London Stadium, obviously, there's a bit more of a pressure from the fans, the yeah. home crowd, and and that sort of thing to to dominate a bit more, at least be in the game a bit more. Which weirdly, hearing you say all that gives me a bit more confidence that not that we'll win, of course, but that, <laughs> that we <laughs> that we might at least score a couple of goals because I, I just find. That, that won't matter at all to Moisey away from home. You haven't got the pressure of the crowd if you're just sitting back and absorbing. That's okay. I, I am a little bit concerned. However, that's, like you said, the the, the feeling is pretty good at, at Brighton at the moment. You've, you've had a bit of, or the, the Seagulls have had a bit of rest. And we're going to Manchester United on Wednesday night in the FA Cup which, you know, is going to be a bit of travelling involved in that, of course. And then uh, the game itself, yeah, I, I can see it being a very cagey um, encounter as far as West Ham are concerned. If we're able to pick them off um, on a the break, then then happy days. I would back us to score. But, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any real desire from, from David Moyes to be going and, and trying to play Brighton at their own game at the moment when, albeit we've, we're off the back of a 4-0 win, confidence is still reasonably fragile, I think. But, Richie, listen, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast tonight. I really appreciate you giving us your time on all things Brighton. Richie Mills from Sussex Live there. But, Richie, before we let you go, just give us a score prediction. West Ham v Brighton at the Amex this weekend. Hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to go 2 1 Brighton, but just one quick point I want to say. So, Brighton lost to Fulham 1 0, and yep. Brighton had 
65% possession, 21 shots to West Ham's five, Fulham won 1-0, got them on the break. So it could happen. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate... I, honestly, though, I've, I've decided, Richie, that it's the hope that kills me. So you actually think you're being helpful by trying to give me something <laughs> to hold on to there. I'm more than happy to just... I just want you to tell me that West Ham get thrashed because I'm all right with that. And I'm making a conscious choice to let go you, of the anger about it. <laughs> you're, you're, you are a very good team. You know, you've got Europe the last two years. I, I just... I feel like this is, this is like... I mean, Moyes sometimes does have these type of seasons when it does go, you know, it's peak and then trough type thing. But I still think you're, yeah, I think I still think you'll come good. But yeah, no, know. again, Richie, what you've what you've done there, you've just highlighted <laughs> the fact that in the best two seasons West Ham have had in my lifetime, we still failed to beat Brighton and Ivalbian <laughs> across four fixtures. But listen, Richie, it's been great having you on Richie Mills from Sussex Live there. Brighton correspondent, thanks very much for giving us your time and stay with us because you'll have some final thoughts from me and Jonesy next. So there you have it, Jonesy. Another big show. And um, we're getting into that part of the season, aren't we? Where West Ham United um, are going to have two or, well, yeah, most of the time two, sometimes three games within the space of a week. We're going to be busy. It's going to be double opposition views, double look backs all of the time or most weeks from here on out. One thing. As well, of course, Jonesy, that happened this week, the Europa Conference League draw. We've got Cypriot side, Larnica, home and away. What did you make of that draw um, when that was made early this week? Probably week? probably one of the kindest draws we could have got out of that, out of that bunch. Um, happy with it. Um, is it going on? Well, Napa, obviously, I won't be going. It's just uh, the game is the day that I move, but... Um, I've been to Ionapa before. Um, would recommend you're it. Stri- you're is the type. So I would recommend it to only uh, people of certain ages. Uh, anyone <laughs> over the age of maybe 23, it's not very good. Um, but but yeah, no, it's a good draw for us. It's a good draw. And um, you should you'd like to think that we, we can get, get ourselves into the quarterfinals, have those two legs against them. Another, another European quarterfinal, hopefully, to look forward to. Uh, but they're, they're, they're at this stage in the competition on merit, just like we are. So we shouldn't take them too lightly. But I think we we should be good enough over two legs to beat them. And um, yeah, and hopefully, depending on where it is, if we get there, hopefully we can do the podcast at wherever it might be in the quarterfinal stage. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, I, I quite agree. I think the the Cyprus away leg is much and as nice as it sounded, as glamorous as it sounded. Um, I think I'm going to have to put the, uh, <clears throat> probably put the handbrake on, on this one and hope that we get through to the next stage. And uh, yeah, perhaps have something lined up for that rather than, um, rather than going out to, to this one, the away leg. Certainly I noticed as well um, that the tickets for the home leg after being charged at like 40 quid each, if you can get a band four or five ticket for 15 quid now. Yeah. Um, a little bit of an about turn from the club then, quite sensible. But we'll cover all of that, of course, in the week leading up to it. But yeah, I think uh, a, a very decent draw indeed. And I would like to have gone to that away, but I think we'll just, we'll save we'll save it up. You've got to save some of your time and your finances sometimes, haven't you, mate? Um, looking ahead then, Jonesy, to the two games we've got this week. We've spoken to Moss and Tony uh, during this podcast about looking ahead to those two games for the opposition views. 
what is your thoughts? What are your thoughts on first United and then Brighton on the weekend? It's two, two difficult games. I think with the United one, if we win, great, um, happy days. But I think we should go <laughs> into that, that fixture with very minimal expectation. You know, they've just won won a trophy. Uh, they're going to be on a high. They're still in, still in, with a chance of winning four four trophies. Um, clearly, Eric Ten Hag has got them in the mentality that that you know many United were known for a long time ago in terms of just win as much as you possibly can. Um, they're a far different Man United team than we played early on in the season as well. Um, so it's going to be tough for us. Um, I'm not expecting anything out of that one. And then Brighton, I mean, surely, surely we've got to beat them nah. at some point. No, nah. surely. I mean, I'm, I'm not holding I'm not even doing it anymore. But I'm not even doing got, it anymore. That, that, that run's got to end. It can't go into another no, season. No, 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 James, stop. Brighton. Stop. No, I, so, I'm stop. I'm choosing to not care anymore. I'm 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 going to try and remain as positive as I can for that Brighton game. And um, I, I do you know what? I'm going to predict that we're going to come away from the Amex with three points. Well, okay, all right, fair enough. I'm just not going to add anything to it. I've decided <laughs> for my mental health this time around. I'm just not engaging in the situation. Like we we've lost that game. That's okay. Um, if we get a draw, okay, that's wonderful. Fine. Um, I, I I'm okay. We're not going to win. I'm I'm just not engaging with the with the situation because it was it just got me. It just it was just too much. Like the last time, the numbers are just so silly. They're just so ridiculously silly. The amount or the amount of times it's been been it, it it'll be ten years I think I think it's already been ten years it was it was twenty thirteen the last time we beat Brighton and Hove Albion I think that was at home um it was the in last, the championship the last time we beat them was that six 0 in the championship yeah I think that was twenty thirteen so um yeah that it, it's it's a ridiculous record and again and I'll stress. In case there's anyone listening like there was before and Bryant fans get all up in the comments going, oh, it's this sort of attitude that, um, yeah, that makes people not like, you know, think you've got a, uh, what's it called, superiority complex or I think you're just so entitled, aren't you? No, I know Brighton's doing really good things, really well-run football club, play some really good football. But, you know, we've beaten Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool, Tottenham. We've beaten all of those teams, Manchester United even. Arsenal. We've beaten yeah. all of those teams in the last 10 years since we last beat Brighton. So it's not because I'm sneer. I just think just through luck or a dodgy decision, you should be able to beat a team once in 10 years. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Nothing offensive. Um, but those are just forces we cannot control, James. So we're not going to win that game. I am hopeful. I don't know. Man United just look good. Wednesday. I'm obviously going up there with my dad with about six and a half thousand other away fans. So I'm looking forward to the occasion, the atmosphere. Old Trafford's probably my favourite stadium in England to go and watch football at. I just you can feel the aura of the place. So I'm looking forward to that. I always will always try and get up there whenever West Ham play. If I can, <sighs> not particularly hopeful. You just the only thing I'm holding on to is the fact that United had the Barcelona game in the Europa League last Thursday the Carabao Cup win on Sunday and they've got Liverpool in the league at the weekend. If ever there's going to be a time when they're not going to prioritise this game, it's this week, but you just sort of feel they're in that sort of winning momentum. They're only playing Liverpool and Liverpool are terrible this season. They won't mm. see that as a test, will they? 
True. And Moisey's record, as we know, worked big six sides. Not great, but we did win. We did break up whatever it was. Uh, how, how many years was the hoodoo, Jonesy? Like 20 um, years, maybe? Like a 17 20, year. Seven, might be 17 years. Like yeah. that, that we had uh, when we beat them in the League Cup away at Old Trafford um, within the last couple of years. So there's always a chance. There's always hope. I wouldn't be driving the 11, 12 hour round trip or however much it's going to be if I didn't think there's hope. But let's sign off on that. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, and anywhere else you can search We Are West Ham podcast, you'll find us. You can email us at wearewestampod at gmail.com. I'm at William Pugh underscore on Twitter. James is at by James Jones. You could buy us a pint if you so wish at buymeacoffee.com slash We Are West Ham. As a few of you have already done, so thanks for the content that we put out every week. West Ham United have just beaten a fellow Premier League side 4 0 at home. If you can try desperately, even if you are an anti-Moyes, anti-West Ham or just anti-happiness campaigner, try desperately to enjoy the week off the back of a West Ham home win in the Prem by four goals to nil. It's not going to happen often. It may not happen again for quite a while. So just smile for it if you can. We've got Man United in the Cup on Wednesday away before Brighton away in the league on the weekend. West Ham United are massive, even if only just for this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the hammers and we'll speak to you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.